you you don't know what you don't know. You think you know something. Hi, everybody. This is Nels Davis, and welcome to the new relaunched version of the All the Responsibility, None of the Authority podcast. We've been on quite a long break, Rob and me, and actually Rob is still on the break. He's still involved, but he's pretty busy with his new job. But I've been doing this weekly video series. I do it on Facebook, and then I post the videos on YouTube. And I thought they'd probably make some pretty good podcasts as well. You know how the TED Talks, I don't know if you ever watched TED Talks, and they're, they've got lots of video and visuals in the TED Talks, but they work really well as podcasts, even despite the fact that you can't see the vi visuals. And I think, I'm hoping that's going to work for this set of talks as well. So this is the first one in the new series of All the Responsibility, None of the Authority. And if you're already a subscriber, you're seeing it a new episode for the first time and like over a year, I think it's been since Rob and I did our last podcast, but, uh, it's the first in a series. And as I say, I've got a lot of these videos that I've been doing over the past, uh, since June. So the past, uh, four or five months. And so I've got quite a few of them. I can start turning into podcasts. I'll be putting them into the feed. Let me know what you think. Love to get your comments and your feedback. If you go to the, the podcast site, so this is podcast number, we're going to call it number 301. So if you go all, to alltheresponsibility.com slash 301, you can go to the show notes and you can leave me a comment. There's actually a way to leave a comment using a voicemail. There's a little plugin that I use for that. You can, of course, leave a comment by typing it in. I, I love to get your comments. You can also just drop me an email, nils at nilsdavis.com. If you listen to this and want to give me some feedback, that'd be great as well. Just mentioned that you heard heard me on the podcast. So without further ado, let me get into this episode, which is about the curse of knowledge, something we product managers suffer from, and that there are some tools for overcoming, particularly when you're doing market discovery, which is a time when it's good for you to not be the smart person in the room. And so I'm going to talk about how to achieve that using a set of pretty basic questions that you can ask at any time to help you Learn some things that you may think you already know, but you probably don't, and to help your informant, the person you're talking to, dig deeper into his or her knowledge, probably deeper than they know that they already know. So anyway, without any further ado, let's get going. As product managers, we have to go out and find market problems. That's a big part of what we do, and it can be challenging for some reasons. So I'm going to talk about those reasons and... So thanks for joining me. The the guy the idea here is what do we do when we're trying to find market problems and we're a little bit stuck and we need to continue on figure out how to continue on the conversation when we're trying to find out market problems and and there's a lot of different ways that we can get stuck. Um, and this whole set of thoughts came to me from a, a tweet that this great this guy John Cutler who does great writing about product management and agile and stuff like that. He had this great tweet the other day. It was a trick that he recommended. If you're doing some market discovery, maybe on the fly, maybe you're not as prepared as you would ordinarily be, or you heard something that you maybe weren't expecting to hear. And he said, suggested this technique, which is to start to ask a question and then pause. 
before continuing the question to give yourself time to think. And this is generally actually a really great tool to use whenever you're speaking. You don't need to keep speaking the entire time. You can leave openness. And that's a good tool for both persuasion as well as for asking questions. So he suggested, so my question is, and then he would pause. Now I've talked about in the videos about persuasion, I talked about the importance of the pregnant pause, so to speak, and what it's useful for. So there's some useful things that the pregnant pause can do. One is it, of course, gives you time to think about the rest of your sentence, and that's useful. If we're trying to think, be on our feet and make good decisions, giving ourselves a little bit of time to think is great. It also sometimes make your, makes your audience feel that you are more together than you actually feel like you are. That you, that you actually are being very reflective and thinking a lot and thinking deeply. The other really great thing about the pregnant pause, though, is if you leave it long enough, somebody's going to fill it. It doesn't have to be you, and it can often be the person you're talking to. So in this case, you might come up with a question after you pause. You might come up with the, the rest of that question, but you're, the person you're talking to might just leap in and say, well, I think you're going to ask about or well, let me tell you about this other thing, or, you know, I didn't mention this, or something, right? We don't know what they're going to say, but leaving that space for them often gives them an ability to continue on and give you more information than you even thought you were going to get, because that's the whole point of, of this exercise. So if we think about what we're really going for in, these, in this process is we want to keep people talking and telling us about their problems. We want to keep them in problem space. We want to keep ourselves in problem space. And this is, again, during market discovery period, right? During market discovery, we want, we're trying to find out the problems that our customers are suffering from. We're trying to drill down on those, understand root causes of those problems. And we're not there to talk about solutions, like what our product can do to solve those problems or how we might solve those problems. We do want to find out how their previous attempts to solve those problems have failed, that's still in problem space. But so we want to keep our, ourselves and them in problem space. We want to stay out of solution space. And it's really important to know that oftentimes people don't really know what they know already. So we have to help guide them through this process of discovering what they know in their brains that they aren't able to articulate when you first ask a question. And then finally, we always think as product managers and product people and technologists, we actually always think we know more than we really know. We think we know more about the situation that our prospects or these people that we're talking to, we think we know more about their situation than we really do. Oftentimes we make assumptions. We don't even realize we're making assumptions. And oftentimes those assumptions are limiting us in terms of our ability to later on create a solution for the problems that they're talking, that we discover. So those are our goals when we're, when we're doing this work. So how do, we, how do we do that? Well, one of the ways that you've probably heard about is this thing called the five whys. And the idea behind this is you ask somebody why some problem occurred, and they tell you why. And then you ask, well, why did that thing occur? And they tell you why. And, they, and you keep on going down this chain of whys, and Ideally, by three or four or five whys into this chain, 
you have discovered the root, the ultimate root cause. Um, but if you ask it literally as five whys, the person you're talking to is probably going to be super annoyed by then. Um, partly because it's it sounds kind of robotic. Partly it's not really the way that people think. And so what I recommend is using some other techniques, not the five whys, but some alternatives that sort of let you guide that conversation and can let you branch off in interesting ways as well as you go through. And these are the two great questions. And I these are I did not invent these. I, I can't remember where I got these questions. And I'm, I've been racking my brain for the last week trying to remember. So I want, because I want to credit the person I got them from. But the two questions that you can use, and, and actually one's not even a question, is the first one is tell me more about that. So you ask a question about some situation. You ask your your, your informant, you know, what's the biggest challenge that you have right now in, in your job, right? That's a, that's a way that you can always start these conversations. Now, they might say, I don't have many challenges. Or you might say, uh, or they might say, here's what one thing that I'm facing. And so you may have to, to, to ask them questions to sort of get to where the, the real challenge is. But then they'll, they're going to start to talk about it. And they're going to talk about it at a surface level basically they're going to give you a simple version of their biggest challenge and so then you want to start getting into the root causes of that challenge and things that you want things you want to learn are things like well how often does it happen where does it happen how often does it happen what have they tried to do to solve it and a good way to get into all of that line of questioning is to say oh tell me more about that or if they've told you about a thing that happens but not gone on, you can say, well, and then what? Well, the idea being that is a question. So tell me more as a statement or a request. And then what is a question, obviously. And you can use those to help drill down into the underlying root causes of whatever the potential problem is or the challenge is. Now, those are two ways that you can, you can get deeper into the problem without asking the five whys. Now, you can, of course, ask questions like, well, why did that happen? And that's an open-ended question. That's great. Don't ask why five times in a row. That's just annoying. So the, the other thing to think about is, so that's, that's a way to guide the conversation into deeper and deeper root causes. There's a couple of other things that we have to be aware of, though, as I said. So we do have this challenge, which is what is often called the curse of knowledge, right? We think we know more about things than we really do. And so one of the things you that is really valuable to try to do is to try to overcome your own curse of knowledge by asking questions about things that we think we know, or you can think of this in two ways. You can think of it as recognize that you there's things that you think you know, and they're typically who, what, when, where, why questions that you you may think you know the answer, but you don't. And so you may look like an idiot for asking the question, although people never really think that you're an idiot. Um, but you need to ask the question anyway. So things like, how often does this happen? Right, that's an obvious one. Um, how often do you have to do that? How often are there errors? Those are some example questions. So this how often question is something that we often think we know. Like, let's say that we're doing, we have financial software. We're, we're building financial software. And we think, well, they have to do a quarterly quote, so they do that basically every quarter. But you know what? It's not a bad idea to ask, how often do you do the quarterly quotes? They may say, well, you know, we practice it a couple times before the final one. 
or we would love to be able to practice it, but we can't do it because our tools don't support that. Or we tried to do a practice close with our other software and it actually ended up doing the real close and that was a total mess. So that's the type of thing where you, you, you don't know what you don't know. You think you know something, but the reality is there's other things that are going on that you probably need to understand because right there you can, that answer about the quarterly close gives you an opportunity to create a really powerful differentiating feature if you want to build that on that answer that you just got. Oh, you with our product, I mean, again, you're going to do this later on to talk about the solution, but you're going to say, you know, with our product, you can do quarterly, you can do practice closes as many as you want. And it's not going to mess up your real close, unlike some of our competitors. It's a great story. So another example of these types of things where you think you know, but you probably don't know, is how many. How many, how many people are in that meeting for allocating resources to your projects? You know, you may think that there's five, or you may think that there's a representative from each product organization or from each project organization. There may be 50. It may be something that happens every week. How often does that? Okay, there, there's that how often question again. How many people are in that meeting? You know, and oftentimes, you know, if it's a, if we're talking about a problem that involves five people meeting once a month, we might not want to do, create a solution to that technologically. You know, that might just be, you need to have better meetings. If, if we're talking about a problem where there's 50 people meeting every week, it may be that there's a better solution to that if you can create, apply some technology to it. And that's the type of thing that we're listen, looking for. Um, another one is how many hours does that take? Uh, this is really great because if you can find something that your prospect or somebody in the market does that takes them a week a month, you know, every, every month they spend 40 hours on this piece of work. Maybe it's creating a dashboard for the executive, something like that. And you can create technology that enables them to do that in a few hours. Well, that's obviously a super valuable thing to deliver. So that's something that, that's the type of thing to, that you want to discover. And you may make an assumption, well, dashboards are easy to make, or we our, our application allows you to create dashboards. Well, you may, you may find out that for certain customers, the dashboard process actually is really cumbersome. And maybe that's an opportunity for you, you to improve it. Or you may find out for that you, for this particular person who are, who's using your competitor's product, creating dashboards is super cumbersome. And maybe you can create an alternative to that. Um, and so those are the types of things that you want to be trying to drill down on, especially where you think that you know already, or you may already have an idea of what the answer is. And the chances are that you're probably 40% likely to be wrong. And those, those things that you're wrong about, those are opportunities that you need to learn about. So what are you listening for when you're doing these types of things? So here's a short list, and there's a lot more, and I've, I've given some examples as, I as I've talked this through. So for, obviously you're looking for current challenges. You're trying to understand um, challenges that people are having with your product if you're talking to your own customers, with your competitors' products if you're talking to their customers, um, that are unaddressed if you're talking to people that don't have a solution, you know, that aren't your customers, that that have maybe they've tried to find a solution. Uh, you also are trying to find success stories, both for your own customers. So obviously, if you can find success stories for your own customers, that's awesome. But if you, um, even if you find success stories about people who have discovered a new method to solve a problem that no one else has solved yet, 
that may again be something you can you can, that's either knowledge you can use as a um, as a way to help you understand if there's it's worthwhile going into a market or you may be able to say something you can share with your existing customers or it may help you decide not to create a feature you may find out oh you know what this is actually a solved problem if people go about it approach it the right way so we're going to put our resources into solving some other problem so success stories are actually always valuable whether or not they are things that are about your product or that you can uh, direct people to for um, for other other problems of course you're also looking for pain and you're looking for bad outcomes and again for your product for your competitors product and in general you know this is mostly you're going to be using this for situations where the the user doesn't have a solution or they've tried multiple solutions and they've failed and those are of course the opportunities that we're looking for in terms of doing discovery about problems that are unsolved that we can solve so pain and bad outcomes and of course you can always ask questions about well how does that make you feel that's another whole there's all another whole section of questions that I didn't really get into yet maybe that'll be another another video but questions like how does that make you feel what happens to you what's the personal impact to you and of course there's also the business impact what is the business impact of this problem that's maybe more than just here's how many hours it takes but if you don't solve this problem, what happens? Well, if we can't solve the problem of getting better leads in, you know, maybe you're talking about a marketing product. If we can't solve the problem of getting better leads in, we're going to go out of business. We're going to, all of our salespeople are going to misquote and they're all going to get fired. There's all these different things that can happen and we want to understand all of those things as we go through our questioning. And it, again, it really is situational, but you can always ask those questions almost as a template you know, what happens when that error occurs? How many times does that error occur? If you're talking about a pain or a problem, those things are, are you're going to have heard about errors or problems or annoying meetings or something like that. And you can always ask about how often, how many people, what happens next, tell me more about that. They work in every kind of situation that you might be facing yourself with or that you might be faced with. Um, you also, as I said, you want to learn new understandings about the environment and the situation, like the, these, all these number questions and how often questions are really valuable to help you understand whether this problem is really worth solving, how big an impact it is on the, on the client, without them having to say, well, this is how much it costs us in dollars. Because a lot of times people don't know that. So they know more than they think they know, but often they don't know the dollar values. And even when they know the dollar values, they may not understand some of the other costs, like the opportunity cost of 50 people meeting for an hour every week, for example. That's a huge opportunity cost, irrespective of how much that costs in terms of you know actual salaries and things like that. So those are a bunch of things to think about in terms of how to get around this curse of knowledge problem. So hope that you enjoyed this short video today is pretty short unlike some of them and i hope you maybe you'd learn something or t can take away some of these ideas like tell me more about that how often does that happen and then what those are your three questions that you need to practice now and you can actually practice that third the fourth one that john cutler mentioned and my question is and then you leave that pause and either you your brain will fill it fill it in or your informant's brain will 
cause them to speak and start giving you some more answers. And that's the end of the video. As you know, this is the podcast of the video that I do on a weekly basis, Saturday mornings, 9 a.m. Pacific time on Facebook. You can join me live. And then I post it up on YouTube and I make it into a podcast, as I just talked about. So I hope you enjoyed that. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Leave me comments, as I mentioned at the beginning. Like it, share it, all that stuff is great. Let me know if you'd like this format. And until next time, this is Nels Davis signing off for all the responsibility, none of the authority, the podcast for product managers. Bye-bye. We have ignition.